I truly, myself, I would love to see Calgary and Edmonton in the playoffs. I would. NBA All-Star Game is coming up um, middle of the month, middle of February. As we're broadcasting here today on Saturday, we have reached the month of February. Where did January go? That's okay, though, here, because that means we're one less month of winter left. But the NBA All-Star Game is being played in Chicago. I think it's uh, the 15th and 16th, the weekend weekend of the 15th and 16th at uh, the United Center in Chicago. and. they they uh, announced the all-star reserves this week. You know who the starters are in the East and the West. The captains are Giannis in the East, LBJ in the West, and they will pick their respective teams from the starters and the reserves. The reserves were, ne- were mentioned, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. And let me tell you, folks, in my opinion, as we welcome you to this 453rd episode of unscripted with mike and chris we are here hope all is well wherever you are and listening to this edition of unscripted um my opinion is right on par right on line with phoenix suns guard devin booker because devin booker to me was a snub yes he's not playing on the best team in the league but i can tell you folks right now this year under new coach monty williams the phoenix suns are not the worst team in the nba by any stretch of the imagination but there are some notable snubs this year from the all-star game devin booker is one i think bradley beal in washington is another i think demar derozan in san antonio is another derozan most famous now i guess having been traded now two years ago from Toronto to San Antonio in the infamous Kawhi Leonard deal. But DeMar DeRozan's averaging almost 24 a night for the San Antonio Spurs. And though they are on the outside looking in at the playoffs in the very difficult Western Conference, San Antonio is right there. I think DeMar DeRozan was a snub. Definitely at 28 points a game for the Washington Wizards who are worthless they're terrible and without Bradley Beal they'd be they'd be hands down the worst team in the league without John Wall without all these other pieces of the puzzle in Washington name me one other person on the Washington Wizards roster right now besides Bradley Beal active players bet you can't do it <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I can because I looked at a box score this morning no, and can't. I know that Thomas Bryant is from Indiana University. He's their starting center right now. That's the only guy I know on the Red, on the, uh, on the Redskins, on the Wizards roster besides Bradley Beal. And at 28 points a game, Bradley Beal is a snub. I don't give a shit what anybody Where's says. Where's John Wall these days? Uh, torn, a, torn Achilles. He won't be back till next oh, year. Oh, yeah, okay. Booker came out on Sunday morning and said, I quote, the All-Star Game no longer has all the best players invited to it, end quote. I agree with that wholeheartedly. More than ever. And I know there are only 15 spots. I get all that. Yada, yada, yada. But here is another shot, okay? And again, 
The naysayers that don't like Mike are going to say, well, we knew this was coming. Okay, yeah, you do know this is coming. Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, we've got two all-stars. We've got uh, the Eastern Conference captain, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and our reserve is our small forward, Chris Middleton. But Milwaukee lost, actually, last night for the first time in nine games. They had their nine-game winning streak snapped at home last night by the Denver Nuggets. But Milwaukee's record still sets at a pretty fair 41-7. and You've got a team that's winning over 88% of its games. And think about this. Remember this, the 2016 season when you had the unbelievable Golden State Warriors team of that went 73-9, and didn't win the championship, but they went 73-9 and during the regular season, and they had four All-Stars representing the Warriors. And obviously, they're, they're big names. We get it. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green. Congratulations. Milwaukee's record right now, as you sit here today, when these, when these, these reserve rosters were announced, Milwaukee's record was better than the last two teams that have gone 70 wins plus. That would be the 96 Bulls at 72 and 10, the 2016 uh, Golden State Warriors at 73 and 9. Milwaukee's record right now at 41 and 7 is better than those two teams after 48 games. Why does Milwaukee have only two all-stars for a team that is winning, again, 88% of its games? There's some snubs there. So again, it's not a perfect system. I don't know how you I don't know how you make it perfect. I don't know do you expand rosters. I know there aren't enough roster spots, especially with 30 teams or 31 teams or whatever it is in the NBA. I don't know right off the top of my head and I really don't care. But what I'm saying is you can't have every team have a representative. I get that. Do you want somebody playing on the All-Star team that representing the Cleveland Cavaliers right now? Probably not. Um, does Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks? Absolutely, he should be. Uh, and he rightfully so, he was made a starter. But what I'm saying is there are exceptions to every rule. You can't, it's, 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 an, it's, it's, it's an unbelievably difficult proposition to try to get everybody that deserves to be. But my God, we've got to come up with a better effort. I'll even sacrifice a couple of buck spots, but Bradley Beal should be on the Eastern team, in my opinion. 28 a game. Um, DeMar DeRozan and Devin Booker. Come on, guys. Devin Booker should be on the Western Conference All-Star teams. If nothing else, at this time last year at the All-Star break, uh, the Phoenix Suns were under 10 wins. This year at the All-Star break, or right now as we're sitting here, the All-Star break is still a couple of weeks away, but when these rosters were announced, Phoenix's record is 20 and 28. So they've made marked improvement, and a lot of that is attributable not only to coach Monty Williams, but to Devin Booker and what he's been able to do as the sharpshooting off guard for the Phoenix Suns. So the system isn't perfect, but my God, there are some real misses, in my opinion, on this NBA All-Star reserves list for damn sure. I think we should stop pretending that the All-Star game is supposed to be some sort of metric to determine who the objectively best players are it's basically just a star showcase yep. a name showcase the reason the bucks don't have more guys is because they're a small market team most guys can't name anyone from there except for giannis and so it's just like who do you want to see play it doesn't matter if they're good anymore or not you could i mean if you 
if you made Michael Jordan eligible, they'd vote for Michael Jordan. Oh, absolutely. Tomorrow. Right? You're absolutely Doesn't mean right. he's the best player right now at age 55 or whatever he is, right? And so, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's I, we shouldn't even pretend that it's anything else except a a showcase for people to watch the big names play. That's all it is. Right. Understood. Yeah. Let's switch over to the National Hockey League. Oh, actually, before we do that, yes, I, please. I, I thought I'd just quickly say, uh, apparently at the Phoenix Open, uh, Webb Simpson has just hit a hole-in-one, uh, his first on the tour, his first ace of the tour ever. And so yeah, I believe he's co-leader now. Was, it, was that at the 16th hole? I don't know which oh, hole it was at. 16th hole is that famous one where they have 20,000 people and it just oh, it's see, just okay. a freaking party for four okay. days but uh, anyway just thought, congratu- I thought you'd like to know that oh i always like to know that thanks um congratulations to webb simpson what a really nice guy he's on the pga tour um webb simpson has his first career on the pga tour his first career hole in one so now he's gonna have to buy drinks for everybody oh yeah in the clubhouse after oh yeah well for a pro for, golfer, yeah that shouldn't know. be a, that shouldn't be a problem um i want to switch to the national hockey league and before we get into um, the fourth installment this year of the Battle of Alberta, which is scheduled again tonight in Calgary. I do want to make acknowledgement to Alexander Ovechkin, who's kind of become a favorite of mine. Ever since they beat the Vegas Golden Knights a couple of years ago in the Stanley Cup, I really have started to appreciate and really started to enjoy watching Ovi play hockey. I mean, I knew he was a great hockey player, but you know, because they'd always get kicked out of the playoffs by the Pittsburgh Penguins. We never really got to see a lot of the Capitals out here in Western Canada, except when they made their Western run. They always, you know, once a year they make the Western run where they hit Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver on the same road trip. But I have really started to watch Evander, excuse me, Alexander Ovechkin over the last couple of years. And, and, And how could you not watch Alexander Ovechkin when they won the Cup and he partied till for a month straight. Well, yeah, a pretty big... much until the start of the next season. Yeah, and uh, I have to admit this. I, I I've got to be I I got to be totally transparent here when I say this. When I tell you about what he did on Friday, and all hockey fans know this anyway, but Alex Vander Alexander Ovechkin scored his 695th goal on Friday night, an empty netter to become the eighth all-time leader in goals scored in the National Hockey League, passing Marc Messier, and he's in that eighth overall solo now. He was in a tie with with Messier for eighth. It's now him alone in eighth place with 695 career goals. And he needs 199 goals to pass the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Now, I bring this up because it was... To my recollection, it was earlier this week or maybe late last week where Gretzky had said publicly that he believes that Ovechkin is the guy that's going to get the prerequisite 200 goals to pass Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal-scoring mark. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm very interested to hear what Chris has to say when I say this, but i got to be honest with you. I know that Russians look older in a lot of different scenarios than other ethnicities and nationalities. For whatever reason, I don't know. 13 months of winter, I don't know. Uh, vodka in their morning breakfast cereal, I don't know. Um, whatever it is, to me, I had to look this up this morning before I came to Chris's place. I did not realize. See, I had a little, I was a little bit with some real trepidation and 
I I want to believe that everything that comes out of Wayne Gretzky's mouth, because I was one of the very few lucky people that got to meet him, shake his hand, and hit a few golf balls with him back in 2003 on my development here in Calgary when he played in the Wayne Gretzky and Friends golf tournament on our golf course. And so I got to meet, you've heard me tell you this before, I won't go into it, but I got to meet Mike Weir, and that was the year that the Canadian golfer won the Masters, Wayne Gretzky, Jerome Ginla, and some other golfer, and I don't even know what the hell his name was. It doesn't matter. I have unbelievable respect for Wayne Gretzky. So when Wayne Gretzky says that he believes that Ovechkin is a guy that could get those prerequisite 199th and then 200th goal to pass the great one, I want to believe him. But I looked at that goal he scored last night in the game. It was an empty netter in the Capitals' win. And I got to tell you, to me, Ovechkin looks older than I do. Ovechkin looks old. I'm sorry. He looks old. I thought for sure, at the very least, late 30s, maybe even into his early 40s. I mean, when he lets the beard grow and his hair grow, he looks like he was at Woodstock and was there for a long fucking time. I look in my little Google thing today, like we all do today. He's only 34. At 34, he's got a chance. He's got to stay healthy, and he's got to stay on good teams. That's a prerequisite. 199 goals is still a lot of goals to score to catch the great one. But when Wayne Gretzky says there's a possibility, and he believes he's going to do it, and when I find out this morning that Ovechkin is not 44, but he's 34, there is a chance. I guarantee Alexander Ovechkin will win the all-time scoring really? goal crown. Absolutely. Yes, he will obviously. I've been saying for a long time he's going to do it. I know you did, but listen, you you heard me just babble yeah, on sure. there. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought, not knowing, I thought Ovechkin was closer to 40 than mid-30s. Ovechkin, to me, looks like, again, he was at Woodstock and overstayed his welcome. It looks like he has been there way too long, but then I look on Google this morning and he's only 34. Knowing that, He's got a shot. Oh, he's he's going to do it. It's it's okay. for sure going to because he still no matter how he looks, he does look old. I remember looking up two years ago and and seeing that he was thirty two and being blown away that he was only thirty two because he looked like he does now. It's just crazy. He was like crazy old mad scientist and the missing tooth doesn't help either right. and just looks like a lunatic, right? <laughs> but he still, as we saw by his celebration, he's still extremely young at heart. He's still extremely enthusiastic for the game, and I've said for a long time he's the greatest goal scorer in NHL history adjusted for era. Yep. If he would have been back in the day, he would have been scoring 100 a year. And he's the only guy, I say this all the time, this is why he's the greatest goal scorer ever adjusted for era. He is the only guy in that stratosphere of top 10, top 20 goal scorers who never had any part of his career pre-lockout, pre-massive goalie pads, pre-talented goalies, anyone else on that list that you see had at least some of their career where they got to rack up a bunch where guys like Jimmy Carson were just scoring 50 or 60. Like, I mean, it's just guys, like guys that wouldn't... Jimmy Carson. Guys I that would heard that name yeah. since 1988. Yeah, so guys that were guys that wouldn't score 20 today and could score 50 or 60 back in the day, it, it's just crazy. They got to rack up so much in gimmies. It was ridiculous. And Alexander Ovechkin wasn't drafted till 04, didn't even get to play his first year because of the lockout. Right. He would have had an extra year there where he right. could have, would have had another 40, 50, 60 goals right Great now. Point. Yep. And so that sucked for him. He still then comes in a year later with the new rules and everything. 
And yeah, he has been unbelievable. He is the greatest goal scorer I've ever seen. I love Wayne Gretzky. I'm an Oiler fan. Wayne might be my favorite player ever. I don't really know who my favorite player ever is, but Wayne's certainly one of them, obviously. And a lot of those goals that Wayne scored would not have been scored with today's modern goaltenders with their talent, their technique, and their equipment. And the fact that Ovechkin has done what he has done is unbelievable and is arguably, if he does go on to do it like I say he's going to, and does it all in the modern era, to me that might be the most impressive athletic feat of all time. I mean, it's unbelievable. I want him to do it because, I mean, I'm good. I'm, I like Ovechkin. I'm kind of neutral. I'm like, yeah, he's cool. I like him. But I am actively cheering for him to beat one of my all-time sports heroes from my favorite team ever because he deserves it. And that's the reason. He is the greatest goal scorer of all time adjusted for era. And I want the records to reflect that. And I thought most of Wayne's records were unbeatable and especially that one. I mean, maybe the assists even more so. No one will ever touch his assist record. His his assists alone beat most people's points records ever. So I don't think anyone's going to beat that one ever. But in terms of goals, the fact that anyone could beat Wayne in the modern era is appalling. And uh, I am actively cheering for Alex Ovechkin, and I want to be truly, totally unequivocal. Alex Ovechkin will beat Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record for sure, 100%. You heard it here. I think we'll still be doing Unscripted then. Who knows? Why not? (laughs) This is a big topic for me because I sit in a house full of Flames fans. (laughs) And I'm on your side with the Oilers. But so far... In the Battle of Alberta this year, they've been close games, except for the first one. The last two have both gone to overtime. Um, no, no, two ago it was a one-goal game. but it Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You're right. But anyway, bottom line here is that the Flames, out of six points so far that they could have secured against the Edmonton Oilers, they've gotten all six. Correct? Three wins. 2-2-2. Two, two, two. I think so, yeah. Yeah, 2-2-2. Two, two, two. They play five times against each other. Tonight's number four. I think this is a big game tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. I want it to be a big game tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I listened to, and I thought it was a, a great comment from our buddy Greg, agreeing with you about uh, the turtling, basically, of our friend Mr. Kachuk here in Calgary in, in regard to Zach Cassian. Um, there has been more news this week involving the next, they played Wednesday night, went to overtime, flames went in overtime. Did they win on a shootout? In a shootout. Win in a shootout. Okay. But anyway, flames are three for three this year so far against the Edmonton Oilers. And in a division as tightly compacted and contested right now as the Pacific division is in the National Hockey League, every point is paramount. I I truly believe that. Edmonton got a big win last night, beating the defending Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues up in Edmonton. They have a back-to-back. They're back here in Calgary tonight to take on the Flames. Um, I think that this is an important game for the Edmonton Oilers, for their psyche, for their standing in the standings, for just sending a message. I mean, God almighty. We've made, Chris and I have talked about, you know, there have been, roster changes among the two teams this year. You've got Mike Smith up there. You've got Cam Talbert down here. Uh, You've got Neil up in Edmonton. You've got uh, uh, Lucic down here. I have to say this. 
Neil is on his way. I think he's one goal short of another 20-goal season already this year. And Numbnuts is still stuck on two down here with the Calgary Flames. But again, the Flames are three for three in wins this year against the Oilers. We need to change that desperately tonight because I can't stand sitting in my house with these goddamn Flames fans. And I just, I know you're going through it. I'm going through it. We need to have a change. And I want your comments on Tree Living, Pizza Boy, the Flames GM, who says there was a little bit of a kerfuffle that happened at mid-ice at the late in the second period during Wednesday's game involving Flames captain Mark Giordano and our favorite player, Connor McDavid. Um, there was a, a, a hit in the neutral zone that appeared that uh, Giordano clipped McDavid in the leg with his hip um mcdavid went crazy Drysidel wasn't real happy about it but pizza boy tree living came out this morning and said that any talk and i quote here this is brad tree living the general manager of the flames and i quote any talk that there's a malicious intent on the geo hit is complete garbage uh end quote i have been in in, in uh, this great country now 24 years and anytime that these two teams play records regardless there's always an intent, in my opinion, when there's a hit involving these two teams. There's always a message being sent. But I, I, <laughs> I know how you feel about tree living. I know how I feel about tree living. <laughs> I just want Edmonton to come down here tonight and deliver a message and play to their full capacity and beat the crap out of them. But I want your, your comments on tree living and in regard to... Uh, Giordano's hit on Connor McDavid on Wednesday night. I want to hear your comments, sir. Well, Brad Freeliving, frankly, doesn't know what he's talking about either way. So he can say what he wants and think what he wants, but he doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, Mark Giordano is a smart player and he knows what he's doing out there. And he knows he's taken a bit of a cheap shot there, obviously, as I mean, he doesn't want to be embarrassed as Connor's flying by him. But yeah, it was he knew what he was doing. And, uh, you know, that's fine. It's part of the Battle of Alberta. And that's great. I am encouraged by the fact that for anyone who watches the games, the last two games, the Oilers have outplayed them. Oh, no question. Easily. But it doesn't reason, but unfortunately. I, I know. But unfortunately. Amy, you know, and I mean, I've I've been kind of disappointed in the uh, Flames uh, lack of, uh, Flames fans rather, lack of introspection these last few days. They just, if we're winning, everything's great. And oh, if the Flames or if Oilers fans are annoyed, then ha ha. And it's just, okay, you guys are boring. Like this is it's really boring. But if you watch the games, I mean, the one that they lost that I went to where uh, Cassian ragdolled Kachuk, right. I mean, who was turtling that game, uh, all four of the Flames goals were lucky bounces. They were all just like, oh, bing, bing, pinball, and oh, lucky it's in the back of the net. And then the Oilers come back and like two of theirs were highlight real goals, which I know you can win ugly and that's fine, but it, it's just kind of boring. And then, of course, a minute into this one, this last one, they get uh, lucky bounce two off of well, Larson or whatever. I don't mean to interrupt, but you remember in overtime on Wednesday's game, there was a shot on Riddich in the overtime, hits one side of the goalie post, hits the other side of the goalie post and doesn't go in. And Riddich is, is celebrating like he just won the fucking Stanley Cup. Yeah, and then both uh, shootouts from Nuge and McDavid they cleanly beat him and then it barely hits the post and stays out. Right. And the one he's floundering around, he has no, like McDavid had him, like he didn't know what was going on. He's floundering around like a seal or a walrus there. <laughs> like no a fish out of water. Yeah. So, I mean, in the overtime, the Oilers dominated. So, 
I'm encouraged by that. I mean, if you don't watch the games, you see Oilers are losing. It's like, oh, okay, well, that sucks. But if you watch the games, they've clearly outplayed them in the last two. They've just had some really bad puck luck and everything. And so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about the Flames going forward. Everyone's all excited about the Battle of Alberta, how it could happen in the playoffs. I don't want to see that. Uh, as much as I would love to see the, them play, and I, I do believe the Oilers would win that, it's not good because for... For either team, no matter who won that, they'd be in really rough shape for the next one. It'd be really intense, really emotional. If you think back to how the Minnesota Vikings performed after the Minneapolis Miracle, you know if you're a sports better that when teams have an emotional series win or game win, they come out flat the next one or they have nothing left. And it's just not a good look. So I don't want that to happen. But in, in fairness... I'm not even that concerned about the Pacific Division. If you look at the standings right now, both wildcard teams would be from the Pacific if the season ended today. And it's the top four teams on the outside looking in to the playoffs. All four of them are from the Central Division. So I'm actually more rooting against Central Division teams right now because, frankly, all of the pretty much everyone outside of the California teams could make the playoffs and and there's room for everybody and that's fine. For the Oilers, we can't be... Uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers here. We have to just get into the playoffs and not worry about it. So I'm more uh, actively rooting against the central division, which is the more interesting thing right now. But yeah, it, it's incredibly tight. Uh, the Canucks had an overtime win this afternoon, I guess, oh, okay. to extend their lead to first place. We'll have to have Sean on to discuss that because I don't know how they're winning or what. He says they're very exciting to watch, but I'm getting uh, I'm kind of surprised about that. But yes, Oilers need to win tonight. I really believe they will win tonight. It's a nice ego boost last night yeah, beating the Stanley right. Cup champs. And uh, we've played really well. And I think we have to have some variants go back our way. So I do believe the Oilers will win tonight. And uh, I'll check it out and, and really hope for the best. Check in your thing. I want to see in regard to the Pacific Division standings. Last time we got together, we were ripping the shit, and rightfully so, of our second favorite team, the Vegas Golden Knights. How have they done since they brought the clown on? I haven't even, I've been so pissed off at Vegas that I have not even been checking out Vegas. I've just been so disillusioned with what they did to Gerard Gallant. Um, and it was funny, I, again, I got to go back to our, our great contributor to the show, Greg. Greg says, Gallant, on his comments on our Patreon page, Greg says, Gallant must have pissed somebody off in the upper, in the, in the front so. office. And, so, and, yeah. and, he, and he, you know what, he's probably right. But tune me up. Let me know what has Vegas been doing since they brought the clown down from from San Jose and got rid of Gerard Gallant. I don't know the exact record under him, but uh, I know that they are four, five, and one in their last ten. They did win their last game. They're in fourth in the division. the The Coyotes are in free fall right now. They've lost four in a row. But uh, so the top five in the Pacific Division. So all the non California teams. Yeah. Uh, Canucks after this afternoon, sixty four points. Oilers and Flames tied at 60, 60 points, right. uh, Vegas at 59, and Arizona at 58 with their yeah. losing streak. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about the Oilers, the Oilers have played the least games in the division. Right. The Oilers are at 51 games. All right. the other teams competing with them have played either 52 or 53. Right. The Flames have, have one more game in hand than, or played Sorry, one more game. Yeah, they played one more game. Yeah, so the Oilers have a game in hand on Vancouver and Calgary and right. two games in hand against Vegas and Arizona. So that's good. But yeah, I mean, two points tonight would be massive the nice thing is too that the Oilers 
have all season maintained a very high number of regulation or overtime, i.e. non-shootout wins. So that's a really big tiebreaker right there. That's, I think, the main one. So only Vancouver has more regulation or overtime wins than us. We're actually four wins ahead of Calgary and Arizona when it comes to non-shootout and two ahead of Vegas. So that Those could, are all tiebreakers, right? Yeah, I, I think that is the main tiebreaker because after points, points is the main thing. And if there's a tie in points, I believe... The first thing after that, unless it's unless it's head-to-head uh, matchup, but I believe, and it should be, regulation or overtime win. Because the shootout, yeah, it's a nice bonus point, and there's no ties, and that's great, but they shouldn't. you shouldn't get too many. If you have 10 more shootout wins than somebody, but the same number of points, you're, clearly you're not as good as the other team. So I like that the others are maintaining a high number of non-shootout wins, which is great. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, tonight is a massive, massive game. I do have to, uh, and I don't want to, say I'm disagreeing with you because I don't really do that because usually you say a lot of really smart things, a lot smarter things than I do. But I'm going to play a little bit of a, of a whatever, not devil's advocate, but I truly myself, I would love to see Calgary and Edmonton in the playoffs. I would. And I would love to see, I would love to see the Edmonton Oilers put the season end to the Calgary. Oh, it'd be beautiful. Sure. It would, but I just, it would, Bode poorly for them in the next round. That's well, my concern. The only, but see, here's a big difference. I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong. When you use the example of the Vikings and what happened to them after the Minneapolis miracle a couple of years ago, they came out flat the next week and lost, obviously. And um, I think that was the same thing when they beat New Orleans this year, and then they looked like crap against the 49ers. But 49ers are making everybody look like crap. But that's only a one game, you know, one game winner take all. That's that is sudden death. At least in an NHL playoff scenario, you could have a really stinker first or second game and you still have time to recover. Is that fair to say? Well, that's true, but I'm but then it's even more of a wear you out situation, right with the best of 7. Yeah. I mean, and if it was tight, I think the Oilers would win in, you know, five or six or something, but it's still, it would, it would just be a lot of, it's a lot of, it's, it's, it can almost make them come even more flat the next time though, because it's so emotionally draining. And how do you get up after the battle of Alberta? How do you just mentally yeah. get up for the next people? It's, it's like, Oh, so we, okay. So you beat the flames in round one. And then who do you face in the second round? Like, you know, Arizona. Ooh, you know, I mean, <laughs> and the eight fans in the stands yeah, down in Phoenix. Like, yeah. Or like, who do you play? Like, who do you, just someone you don't care about at all. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. Nashville. Well, like, San Jose won't be in the playoffs this year. Yeah. We don't have to worry that, about yeah, that. Especially good. now that Thomas Hurdle blew out his ACL and his MCL. He's done. Oh yeah. But uh, I don't know. I just personally, I wasn't here in the eighties when the Oilers were kicking the shit out of the flames every year. And those are some really good well, flames. I wasn't here either. I was no, in Saskatchewan, but, but yeah. But I wasn't here. I've heard all about them, um, but I don't know. I'd love to see the Edmonton Oilers end the Flames season. That would be great, especially like in a game four in Calgary. That would be great. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Like, to, well, to be honest, look, I mean, it's going to be tough for the Oilers to win the Cup. So if you look at it, like if you say like, okay, they're probably not going to win the Cup or do anything too significant otherwise, if you go with that, then if I knew they weren't going to win the Cup, eliminating the flames is a nice sweeping the flames would be okay then i'll take that then yeah 
We've got a run on this 453rd episode of Unscripted. Hopefully my wife doesn't hear this one, but if she does, it's just coming from the heart, Mama. I, you know, love you, hate your hockey team. Um, Again, we've got a run on this 453rd edition of Unscripted. As always, we'd like to thank you for listening and hope that you certainly continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.